Well, I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Numbers chapter 6 and Psalm 67. Numbers is the fourth book of the Old Testament. And Psalm 67, you've heard me say on a couple of occasions that in most Bibles you can find the Psalms merely by opening up the middle and you can find Psalm 67 among the 150 Psalms. This morning, we're going to be reading some benedictions that we find in the Bible. Psalm 67 is a benediction. The word benediction or the word blessing from the Latin means to speak well or to speak a good word or to say a good thought. So this morning, I want you to hear some benedictions first from the the New Testament, and then I'll come back and read the Numbers chapter 6 and Psalm 67. So hear God's word read for you this morning. Our first benediction is from Romans chapter 15 and chapter 16, selected verses. I'm going to start with verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ did, that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden of long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God, to glory forever, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear a benediction from 1 Thessalonians 3. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And another benediction from the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Many of you may know this benediction from Ephesians chapter 3. You may have it committed to memory. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And then a benediction from Jude that will be the basis for the choir's anthem later in the service. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, 
power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And then turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 6. Number 6 serves as the basis for Psalm 67. And we begin with verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons. And this is why we call this the Aaronic benediction, because Aaron and his sons are to bless Israel in the following way. Say to them, verse 24, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Then over in Psalm 67. Notice that verse 1 takes off from number 6 that we have just read. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us that Your ways may be known on earth, Your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise You, O God. May the peoples praise You. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For You rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Sisters and brothers in Christ, these benedictions that we have read are the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm sure you're like me and you have a lot of childhood memories about worship, attending church. And one of my favorite childhood memories is always watching the different pastors that we had as I was a kid growing up. And we were a small church at Creedmoor Road Baptist Church in Raleigh, so we had multiple pastors through, through my growing up days. But I always liked to watch the pastor pronounce the closing benediction or the closing blessing. Because he would always raise his hand with his his palms outward. He would walk down the center of the aisle. And he would do exactly what the word benediction means. A benediction, a blessing, is a brief or concise statement that offers divine blessing. It means to speak a good word, to offer a good thought. And he would walk down the aisle with that palm out, speaking a word of divine blessing on the congregation. Now, what I remember about that benedict, those benedictions that my pastor offered or my pastors would offer was not so much the deep theological reflection that took place. It wasn't so much the poetic beauty of the words. What impressed me and delighted me so much as a small child about the benediction is that it signaled that the service was over and that I could bolt from the pew and run outside and run around the yard with my friends while all of the women gathered to talk about dinner plans 
And the men gathered under the two pine trees beside the church to smoke a cigarette. That's what was so exciting about the benediction. Now, you know, Psalm 67 is meant to create in us a response other than just signaling that the service has mercifully ended. And we are free now to get on with our day. So what does Psalm 67 tell us? What, what do these words of blessing, these words of benediction, what do these good words speak to us this morning? Well, the first thing that Psalm 67 speaks to us as a good word, as a benediction, as a blessing, is that it reminds us not only that God is a rescuing God and he's a saving God, he's also a blessing God. Now, we very much are aware that God is a rescuing and a saving God, aren't we? It was just a few weeks ago, about six weeks ago, that we celebrated Holy Week as Christians. That week-long event in which we give, give thanks for God sending His Son into the world who died on that cross to remove our sin and our guilt and to forgive us, and then we celebrate the resurrection. We move to remember that God raised Jesus from the dead and He wishes to raise us from the deadness of our life into newness of life with Him. And we're still in that season of Easter. We call it the Great 50 Days. From Easter to Pentecost, 50 days in which we celebrate the resurrection. We go back to the Old Testament story of the Exodus, the Passover event where God frees the children of Israel. Think about this now. I mean, if, if you can fathom this, 400 years I can't even wrap my mind around 400 years of slavery and bondage to the Egyptians. And the story shows us that God frees his people and brings them out of Egypt. And God completes that story of the exodus of the Passover in the death and in the burial and in the resurrection of Jesus. That, that freeing of us from slavery and rescuing us from sin. And then as Christians, we, we sing those old hymns, don't we? I'm just going to see if you can fill in the blank. Rescue the... You knew it, didn't you? Care for the... You do know this one. Jesus is... Oh, I got you there. Merciful. Is that right, Michael? Merciful. Jesus will what? Save. You know it. And then how about the other hymn? We have heard the joyful sound. Almost noise, sound. Jesus what? Saves. Jesus saves. I mean, you, you know those old hymns. So, so the fact is that from Scripture, from the hymns and music that we sing, and from personal experience, Jesus, God, is a rescuing God. He's a saving God. But sometimes we forget that God is a God who bestows blessing on us and delights in it. This psalm reminds us that God is also a blessing God. In this particular psalm, as we've already noted, it borrows from the Aaronic blessing of Numbers chapter 6. It offers words of gratitude and thanksgiving for the gift and the blessing of the annual harvest. And it reminds us that God is a God who just, I mean, he's like a good parent. He just delights 
in giving the best blessings to his children. Now, I had two favorite memories this past week. One was of the pastor signaling that the, that the service is mercifully over with the benediction. But the other good memory that I had this past week as I was thinking about this text was the time when I was probably, I'm guessing, nine to ten years of age. And my dad took me to buy a brand new bike. I guess I'd gone through a growth spurt and the old bike was too small and he took me to buy a new bike and let me pick it out. And I picked out what was then called a spider bike. Does anybody remember any of the spider bikes? A couple of you remember the spider bikes? Here's what the spider bike looked like. Okay, Spider bike, first of all, had big handlebars. Okay? With the brakes up here. Not, not on the foot pedals, but the brakes are up here. Right? And then it came with a banana seat. It was in the shape of a banana. Big old seat. And see, a lot of you don't realize that I've been a pirate at heart since a child because I picked out a purple spider bike with that banana seat. And the best thing about it was that it had five-speed transmission right in the middle. Go from one gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear. And man, did I think I was something. I remember bringing it home and trying it out. And in fact, the other memory is that my, my good friend, um, Teeter Wheeler, I let him ride it, and he, he crashed it on, on the first day. And fortunately, he didn't put too many scratches or bend it up, but it broke my heart. And, but that spider bike was just precious to me. Now, what was lost on me at the time, but is not lost on me now at all, is how much my dad delighted in taking me to get the bike, pick it out, bring it home, and watch me ride it. I mean, he, it was lost on me in the moment, but I look back now, and being a parent, I can just remember, I mean, I think he was maybe more excited about it than I was. And isn't that how God is? I mean, God just delights to send the sunshine. Which, when was the last time you thanked him for sunshine? I mean, he delights in giving us rain. And, and you know, we have some, some people who farm in our congregation. And they understand the equation of sunshine and rain yields food and harvest, and that's important. When was the last time, I'm just curious, that you thank God for air? You thought God, have you thanked God for air lately? How about gravity? Have you jumped up and down and thanked God for gravity lately? Now, you know, some of the other ones are, are pretty typical. We thank God for health and for family and for friends and for a church family where we can be in community with each other. We, we thank God for the gift of, of education and going to school. We thank God for the gift of having productive work. But, but understand this, just like a good parent, God delights not only in saving us and rescuing us for, with, through Jesus, but he delights in giving us the richness of his blessing to our life. But let me tell you one other thing. 
the psalmist not only is accenting this idea that God's a saving God, he's a rescuing God, he's a blessing God, but he is also hitting the drumbeat here that God has blessed you and me in order for us to be a blessing to those who are around us, to the world. I don't know if you picked that up in the text. The psalmist writes and borrows from number 6 in verse 1. The psalmist writes, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Now, what's the answer? Why, why in the world would the psalmist write that and borrow from Numbers chapter 6? Well, the answer is in verse 2. The reason that God is gracious to us and blesses us and make His face to shine upon us is because of verse 2, that your ways, speaking of God's ways, that your ways may be made known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. Now, did you notice that the psalmist uses the word all? He didn't say just one nation. He didn't say a few nations. He said all nations. And in verse 4, May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the world. Now, I'm wondering this morning, do you think we've forgotten by chance that God is a global God? I mean, one of my favorite verses in the Bible and one of the verses that is so well known among both Christians and even non-Christians is John 3, 16. What does it say? For God so loved the what? World. That He gave His one and only Son. Now, clearly Jesus could have chosen to have said, for God so loved Israel. Or if he was living in our day, I suppose Jesus could say, for God so loves America. Jesus had that option to single out Israel. But he said, for God so loved the world. And I wonder sometimes if we've forgotten that God is a global God. That Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, what we call the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. There's that word all again. Doesn't say one nation, a few nations. It's all nations. And then you read in Acts 1:8, Jesus is again saying, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, why did Jesus make those statements? Well, undoubtedly, Jesus is aware of the great promise and sees himself as the fulfillment of that great promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Listen to the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12. I will make you into a great nation, and here's his word, and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And now listen to this part. And you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Folks, the, the reality is that God blesses us in order for us to be a blessing to other people. And that means a lot of different things. For some people... It may mean offering a personal blessing to a person that says, I see your gifts. I see your potential. 
I see your strengths. I bless you and affirm you as a child of God. It may mean for other people that someone crosses your path and that person doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you understand that God's great promises made to Abraham to bless the nations of the world, of the earth, is fulfilled through Jesus. And you want that person to be able to secure the blessing of being rescued and being saved by God through what Jesus did for him or her on that cross. It may mean for you that you are a missions or a music or a Sunday school teacher. You had no idea that blessing a small child or a young person with your time, your energy, your presence, your wisdom, your knowledge would one day lead that child to embrace faith in Jesus and have a future that only God could have dreamed about. And only eternity will, will reveal the impact that you had on that child or that young person's life. It may mean that the medical clinic that you work in, or the tutoring, or the reading to a child, the person who's struggling with an addiction and you were willing to journey with that person, or the financial gift that you made proves to be the blessing that impacts a person's life and changes it forever. A couple months ago, I was with a group of pastors and other lay people, and we were actually doing an examination for a candidate to be considered for ordination into the gospel ministry. And in the midst of that examination, one of the pastors who was present told the story about years ago, before God called him into the gospel ministry, he, he was working in another career. In that particular career, he did a lot of driving to different work sites. And he would always bring with him a ham sandwich to eat for lunch. And when he would arrive at a particular work site, there were a couple of workers there. They didn't make a lot of money. They did not always have something to eat at lunch. They saw this man breaking out his ham sandwich and eating it. They knew that he was a person of Christian faith. And they did not necessarily embrace his same depth of faith in God. And they kind of picked on him and made fun of him for the fact that he was both a Christian and that he had brought a ham sandwich and hadn't brought something for them. Now, he said that that particular time he wasn't making a great deal of money, but he went home one night and thought about, after several weeks of hearing these guys kind of pick on him for his faith and pick on him about eating his ham sandwich in their presence, he got to thinking that he made enough money that he could make a couple of them a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So he made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and he one day surprised those guys with that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and they seemed to appreciate it. And so day after day after day, for weeks and months, until he quit that particular job and moved on to another one, he brought those guys a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, fast forward years and years, probably 15 or 20 years later, this man has now been called into ministry, and he's now a pastor. 
And one day he said he's up in the Raleigh area. And he runs into the sister of one of these men that he brought the peanut butter and jelly sandwich to. And so he asked her, well, tell me, how are things going with this particular man, your brother? How are things going? She said, you wouldn't believe the change that's taken place in my brother's life. He has gotten his life straight. He has accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. In fact, God has called him into ministry, and he's answered that call. Would you believe it? He's at a Bible college now preparing to go into the ministry. Well, this pastor who's telling this story is just dumbfounded. He's just stunned. And he says to the sister, well, what in the world got into your brother? What do you account for the change in his life? And she looked back at the pastor, and with a big smile on her face, she said, you'd be surprised the difference that a peanut butter and jelly sandwich can make in a man's life. You know, we are rescued, we are saved, and we are blessed to be a blessing for others. Now, that's a good word. In my judgment, that's offering a blessing. That's speaking a benediction.